right, thanks, Scott Shannon, and we're glad you are with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us. This is, you know, this has been a very strange little journey for me, and in as much as, look, if you're going to be on the radio and three hours a day and on TV an hour every night, and you give strong political opinions, there's going to be people that do not like what you have to say, which I'm fine with. You're going to be attacked. I'm fine with that, too. There are going to, there's a whole industry that has been built out on the issue of silencing, they call it now deplatforming, or removing conservative voices. That's what a lot of these boycotts are all about. There's an industry that tapes every single second of every minute of every every broadcast day of not only yours truly, but any conservative that's in the media in the hopes that the host will say one thing, one phrase, one sentence that they can then use politically to bludgeon them or boycott them to silence their voices. This this is this is modern day. You know, liberalism, wokeness, cancel culture, whatever new phrase you want to use, it's real. And it's frankly, it's a little ironic now that the rest of the world is catching up with basically the life of being a conservative. In my case, now going on 33 years, if you can believe it, 25 at Fox. Now, I had been saying all during the campaign that Joe Biden is hiding in his basement bunker. Now, this book comes out written by mainstream media people, one's from NBC. I forget the background of the other co-author. And the book is called Lucky, How Biden Barely Won the Presidency. But, and it's not a conservative book. It's not pro-Trump at all. It's uh, frankly the opposite. But the book does do an honest analysis on this point, which I actually found the description pretty fascinating. And I was reading it and I invited them on TV. We'll, we'll get them on radio if they want to come. They're welcome. Anyway, so it's been it basically is take your crazy uncle. It's, it's keep your crazy uncle in the basement campaign strategy of the Biden campaign now. And, and they had a quote, well, somewhat reasonable, I guess, or justifiable or seemingly common sense. Well, because of COVID, everything's because of COVID. We're going to destroy literally uh, our election system and change the way elections occur, which, by the way, H.R. 1 would federalize uh, our elections, which I argue is unconstitutional and codify, you know, what were only supposed to be emergency voting procedures during the pandemic uh, into the rhetoric of voting rights. It's anything but it will destroy all the integrity in our election system. And we will never have confidence in a future election if, in fact, the Democrats get pushed this through if Manchin buckles and Cinema buckle and they have a 50-50 vote, they knock out the legislative filibuster, it will be an unmitigated disaster. Now, there will be lawsuits, but they actually try to coordinate in the legislation. Oh, if you have a constitutional challenge, you're going to have to use the D.C. Circuit Court only. Now, they're, they, they judge shopped for you in this thing. It's so bad. All right. But back to my original point here. So I called, uh, I'm looking at Biden, and we've done this on television, and we've played it on radio. You can hear it, you can see it. We played Biden in 2012, debating Paul Ryan. We played Biden giving a speech in 2012. We played Biden giving a speech in 2016. We played Biden talking today. 
And it's now almost every single solitary day. It is a screw up. And now, oh, he's just too busy. Jen Psaki is, is, is circling back with why he can't give a press conference. There's no president in the modern era at this point in their presidency that hasn't given a full on press conference. And what they're trying to do is buy time. Every single big moment, if you go back and you watch, and I pointed this out at the time, whether it was the, the virtual Democratic National Convention, they, they, they rested Joe and rested Joe and rested Joe before any debate. It was five days off the campaign trail completely. And I was arguing, look, they're trying to, they're trying to maximize his peak cognitive hour to coincide with what the debate hours are. Okay, conspiracy theory. And what did I say the whole time? I said he's weak. He looks weak to me. He looks frail to me compared to the guy that left four years ago. And he's struggling cognitively. It's obvious. Now, what's fascinating about this is that I said it through the whole campaign. Then Joe becomes president. And then Yahoo News. Hannity is spreading vicious, horrible conspiracy theory that Joe Biden is weak and frail and struggling cognitively. And I'm looking at this and then I'm getting hit from all sides by the media mob. And then so I defend myself. And what's the best defense? Joe struggling time and time and time again. Now, the reason I'm starting with this, there's a reason is that Joe Biden couldn't remember the name of his own defense secretary, nor the building that this defense secretary has his office in. It's called the Pentagon. And I'm going to play it for you in a second. But so when I started getting hit, which I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, you know what? I, I deserve it. Let me be clear. If you disagree with me, you have every right as an American to loudly speak out and not, not want me, you know, whatever, criticizing what I say. I don't ever want to cancel any liberal voice. I've done just the opposite of my career. I don't even like certain people, and I've defended their right to stay on the air. I did it to Joy Reid. I did it with her. I did it with Bill Maher. I've done it with every single time conservatives have asked me over the years, join, join us in this boycott. And I'm like, no, I'm not joining. I don't believe in them because ultimately that is an effort to silence. Like if people didn't like Howard Stern, or they didn't like Rush, or they didn't like Imus, I, turn the dial. I can't make you listen three hours a day. I can only try my hardest to put on the best show possible in the hopes that you'll listen every day, three hours a day. That's all we ask. But anyway, so I started getting hammered. I even mentioned this to Linda. I said, where is this coming from? It's like, did they not hear me throughout the entire campaign? And I, th my theory on this is, is that it took on more significance since January 20th, at least in the minds of the mob, the media, or as I pointed out during the campaign and even afterwards, the candidate protection program. Like big tech wouldn't let you read what was a true story about what was on. By the way, we still haven't gotten the full story. I've been briefed on what's on that laptop and none of it's good for the Bidens, Joe or Hunter. Um, and that will come out. Why am I not breaking it? I have my reasons. Um, now, and I interviewed the guy that repaired the, the, the laptop, the guy that handed it over to the FBI, and the FBI didn't even want it in the beginning. He didn't want any part of this. Anyway, so long story short to say, let me play this latest brain freeze of Biden 
He forgets the name. By the way, his defense secretary does have a name. His name is Lloyd Austin. And anyway, he's given a speech at the White House after highlighting his nomination of two women as general officers for positions as four-star combatant commanders, Air Force, an Air Force general, general and an Army lieutenant general. And then he can't remember the name of his defense secretary, nor where he works. Listen. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the, the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we just talked about. The guy that runs the outfit over there, uh, yeah, uh, the guy that, and just look what's been happening in recent weeks. He gets lost in, in uh, I, I got, I got a card. Let me, uh, you, you know, get the card. Should I take questions now? You want me to take questions? Beep. The idea that um, over 500, I think it's, I have a card. I carry a card on me every something. day with the total number of folks who have been affected. It's incredible talent. Now, am I supposed to speak or is Swathi going to say something? I was told I was going to here from Swatland. And it's amazing. Indian of descent Americans are taking over the country. You, my vice president, my speechwriter, when I, I tell you what, the last thing we need is Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. By the way, that happened again today. Now, I told you that the foreign press is now picked up on this. Sky News Australia, Joe Biden struggles to name his defense secretary. Biden seems to forget his defense secretary's name, the guy that runs that outfit over there. That would be his defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, that works in that over there, the Pentagon over there, that guy. Now, why do I say all this? And and now they're not criticizing me in the media. Because I just go, uh, what I do is I just play the best of Joe. Joe in his own words. Now, it's interesting, too, and I've been telling you that there are people, Democrats, I know some Democrats, some prominent ones, and they're like, yeah, uh, trust me, everybody sees what you see, but they're just afraid to say it. Every time he speaks, we're all like on pins and needles praying, just get him out of there. Just spit it out, Joe. Let's get out of this. Hurry up. Uh, Good job, Joe. Good job. You got it out. That's how Democrats and the media sees it, too. But they're not telling you. If it was Trump, they would tell you. But the American people are seeing it also. We have a brand new Rasmussen poll out that shows the American people are losing confidence that Joe Biden has the mental acuity or the physical stamina to handle his job as the president of the United States. Washington Examiner, 50% say they are not confident that Joe Biden is, quote, physically and mentally up to the job of being the president of the United States. And by the way, they're only 34% or very confident that he's up to the job. So I guess Sean Hannity was, I guess we know why the, the article stopped. The foreign press is talking about, here's the worst part of the equation. Okay, anybody can have a brain freeze. I've had them myself. When I talk, this is not the same. Endowed by the thing, oh, oh, you know the thing, or 
Oh, um, oh, what am I doing here? When do, when, when, uh, we're going to have, let me repeat, we're going to have 300 Americans vaccinated in the summer. Let me say it again. 300 Americans vaccinated in the summer. Look at the headline. Biden brain freeze. Biden struggles to name his secretary of defense. American thinker. You may not like, I didn't make these headlines. Crazy old Biden and the countdown to Kamala. Red state. Biden's incoherence just hit critical mass. This is scary awful. Joe Biden forgets his mask again at the White House. In other words, he did it again. He won't don't wear the darn mask. Walks away without wearing a mask to shake hands. Oh, like, man. Now, he does have a primetime address on Thursday. My guess is he's going to be practicing from now until Thursday night. Always a long time. You know, before the lead up to a debate with Trump, you wouldn't see him for five days. You wouldn't see him before any big moment in the campaign. But the rest of the time, he was in the candidate protection program of big tech and the media mob. Now, here's the biggest problem. Putin is a hostile actor. It's a hostile regime in Russia. The mullahs in Iran, they're watching, too. A hostile regime. North Korea, same thing. Kim Jong-un. President Xi, China, hostile regime, hostile actor. They're watching. It's a little scary now. I just want to know, did people know that he was struggling around him before the election? That's my question. And, you know, inquiring minds would like to know. So I know some people are going to say, Hannity, you make fun of the fact Joe Biden loses his place. And I got a card here and, you know, um, uh, my name is Joe. He can't remember numbers. He can't remember names. He can't remember places. Can't remember, you know, endowed by our creator. You know, we, we truth over facts and go home and play the record player. It just blurts out bizarre things. You know what would be, you know, and so, oh, Hannity, you're being mean. I'm not being mean. I'll tell you what was mean is the Russia collusion lies for three years, dragging the country through hell based on lies and conspiracy theories and a, and a hoax uh, or or denying the, the American people access to truth and information with the big tech Biden protection candidate protection program that big tech provided him or the media mob protecting Biden and and just going after Trump every second of every day doing Biden's job as he's hidden away in his basement bunker. It's pretty unbelievable. No, I mean, you know, it would be mean if, if people knew that he really was struggling and that they let him do this and pursue this anyway, that would be mean. Not the fact that Americans have a right to know whether somebody's up to this job. It is the hardest job in the world. I wouldn't recommend it to any of you. I've known many presidents in my life, and I'm telling you, you don't want this job. And the people that run for it, God bless them, because it's a hard job. And you have a lot of responsibility. But this is getting downright scary at this point. 25 till the top of the hour. So it happened again. I told you about the bars and tone. And by my, I think I'm supposed to take questions. And beep, fade to bars and tone. Anyway, Biden's gone 48 days in office without holding a press conference longer than any modern day president. And um, anyway, aides to the president 
pushed away, shooed away the traveling press corps as they were shouting questions again, just like they did last week. This is now a big problem. Uh, Wait till you hear what Jen Psaki said about the border. Um, Is there a crisis at the border? I don't think we need labels. Let me circle back with you. I'll get to that. Is this a crisis at the border? Look, I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels Labels. on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if Donald Trump put kids and separated from their parents for long periods of time the way Biden is doing it? in cargo shipping containers, not letting any media go inside with a tiny window with bars on it. But they tell us there are butterflies on the wall. Oh, that's so comforting. Latest test. Now, this is in the Washington Times. I'll get to this in a minute. 25% of illegal immigrants dropped off in one Texas town. 25% tested positive for COVID-19, coronavirus. According to the guy that runs the homeless shelter where Border Patrol agents are bringing the migrants that they're catching and releasing. No wonder why Greyhound is saying, show me a test or you're not getting on. They're trying to protect their customers. I don't blame them. 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right. This just breaking out of Albany. Uh Uh-oh. Headline. Cuomo accused of touching an aide at the executive mansion. Let me interpret that for you. A sixth woman, number six, has come forward to accuse Cuomo of sexual misconduct. And by the way, this includes an accusation. This new, according to this Albany, the Albany Times Union reported it. A sixth woman has come forward and leveled allegations of sexual harassment or inappropriate conduct against Governor Cuomo. A supervisor in the executive chamber recently became aware that the woman had alleged the governor inappropriately touched her late last year during an encounter at the governor's mansion where she had been summoned to do work. An official close to the matter today confirmed to the Albany Times Union that the new allegation has been made. The governor's office learned of the matter on Monday, according to an aide, a sixth woman whose identity is being withheld by the Times Union because she could not be reached for comment as a member of the executive chamber staff. Now, I do have another report that names the woman, but, you know, I I honestly, I don't like to do that. And I know if you want to find it out, you can find it. Aides to the governor on Tuesday said the governor stands by his statement. He never touched anyone inappropriately. The new allegations by a sixth woman potentially undermine that statement by Cuomo and are certain to intensify pressure. Uh, now, if you're interested in that, don't forget now this is this is the it's very interesting on a couple of levels. And I think there are two things going on simultaneously. When Ron Kim, a Democrat in the assembly, spoke out about his bullying behavior and then the media and somebody in the media followed up and said the same thing. In many ways, I see this as a culmination of of treatment of people over time and, and kind of like it's the straw that broke the camel's back on, on that part of it. And then to, you know, then you watch this whole nursing home scandal, you know, remember a year ago you had Andrew Cuomo saying, well, uh, I know this sounds arrogant, but I speak for the mayor in this one. We have the best healthcare system in the world. We're not like these other countries. That was one year ago. We'll get into that later. But now the sixth woman has come forward. 
name being withheld at this time, and uh, certain to intensify pressure. Now, the Democratic legislature is leading the way. The most powerful Democrat in Albany, New York right now is Senate Majority Leader uh, Andrew Stewart-Cousins, who on Sunday said Cuomo, a Democrat, should step down. The Assembly Speaker, a Democrat, they have two, they have veto-proof, two veto-proof houses here. I mean, Republicans are meaningless in this state, to be very blunt. They have no power at all. Anyway, that included the state Assembly Speaker, Carl Heastie, who then fell short of, you know, saying to step down, question whether he can be, remain an effective leader. And you have more Assembly men and women. Uh, the lieutenant governor would take over the position. Name is Kathy Hochul. I had to look it up. No offense. I'm not being rude. I just kind of gave up on New York politics because there's nothing that Republicans have no power. Zero. They can't do anything. They have veto-proof majorities, Democrats in the House and the Assembly. Forget it. And then a Democratic governor. States become more radical by the minute. Anyway, uh, she would take over in such a situation. I'm confident everybody's voice will be heard, taken seriously. I trust the inquiry to be completed thoroughly and expeditiously. Five other women now have said this. Now, what's so you, you got those two things happening. So I think it's a tipping point as it relates to how people in the media and how people in Albany, even Democrats, feel they've been treated. That's my, again, that's speculation on my part. It's my opinion, my read on this. The other thing that I think is happening, too, is I really believe that some of this is probably rooted on a more national basis is probably if they, if I'm right and the American the Rasmussen is right and Joe's really struggling the way he's struggling, they might be seeing this as a as an opening for 2024 for a Democrat. And why do I suspect knowing Democrats that play the same playbook every two and four years you know republicans are racist sexist misogynist homophobic xenophobic islamophobic now transphobic add that to the list want dirty air and water and want grandma and grandpa thrown over a cliff in a wheelchair why do i suspect that there are many high-ranking democrats that would want to run for president assuming joe biden's not going to be there running into in in 2024 and they would love to posture to get Andrew Cuomo out now and make it so he's not viable as a presidential candidate. Is that is that an interesting theory? That's all it's meant to be is a theory. But uh, now he's been hit. Albany Union came out with another point. Albany Times Union investigating a cover up of a bridge's safety in upstate New York as if he doesn't have enough problems with what happened with the nursing home scandal and the cover up there. And now six women are making accusations against him. Anyway, it's it's been discovered that a signature infrastructure project, a four billion dollar Mario Cuomo bridge named after Andrew Cuomo's father, which spans the Hudson River, is chock full of structural defects. These defects are so severe, according to the Albany Times Union, quote, engineering experts were concerned that the girders could separate and the bridge would collapse without notice. Four billion dollars. Jeez. Don't worry. Joe, Uncle Joe's going to sign a $15 billion check for New York and all you red states that elect fiscally responsible governors and 
state legislatures, you'll be footing the bill for all of this mess. It's a high-strength bolt snapped at the threads as an iron worker. This is from the Albany Times Union. Jimmy Jordan used a torque wrench to tighten it into a steel plate connecting two massive girders. Apparently a piece of the broken bolt bounced off an overhang and split his lip open as he looked up. That was in January of 2016, and Jordan was part of a team constructing the Tappan Zee Bridge replacement at the project's main assembly site along the Hudson River, about 100 miles north of the bridge. And it's a $4 billion twin span, and it would ultimately be named the Governor Mario M. Cuomo Bridge. Underway now for a little more than two years. The infrastructure in New York, you would think with all the high state taxes and every tax that they can imagine... It's the worst in the country. Everything's falling apart in New York. Everything. It's a disaster. It's, a, it's an unmitigated disaster. I talked to friends that were uh, visiting the president. President Trump was in New York yesterday. And they said they were shocked at what they saw in New York City. And they said that this place is never coming back. Anyway, it would emerge that dozens of these bolts had similarly broken at the port assembly site, an abnormally high number that indicated the potential for a serious problem, and bolts also had been breaking on the assembled girders loaded onto barges and even on some pieces already installed on the bridge, including some more than a year after they had been tightened into the plates that hold the girders together. Now, for a structure like a bridge... This is a great piece by the Albany Times Union and, uh, and High Rises. Uh, you talk to any expert, they rightly point out in the piece, even a few broken bolts can weaken the immense splices and result in a catastrophic collapse here. Now, despite the state's knowledge of this, none of this was on the agenda when the 3.1-mile bridge was dedicated three years ago. And as Governor Andrew Cuomo ceremoniously drove across it in some 1932 Packard convertible during the formal opening. Four days later, the attorney general's office met with the Tappan Zee constructors, which built the bridge to disclose their investigative findings and the allegations the company had defrauded the state and concealed the bolts used to hold the structure together were, were breaking. Now it's a matter of who knows what, who knew what when. Anyway, that triggered an investigation by the Inspector General of New York, later the State Attorney General. Allegations the Tappan Zee Bridge constructors had potentially endangered the public, violated their contract, falsely certified the bridge was safe, quote, despite concerns from engineering experts that the girders could separate and the bridge could collapse without notice, according to the state's investigations, which moved that slowly. Many workers at the site, some with first-hand knowledge of the extent of the broken bolts were never interviewed by investigators. Oh, boy. You can't make this up. You really can't. You just, it just is that bad. By the way, it's, this is now spreading now to California. It's game on. They've got, they only needed 1.5 million signatures for a recall of Gavin Newsom. They now have 1.95 million headed towards 2 million. The deadline is March 17th. 31% of sample signatures came from people who are not Republicans. Same thing that's happening in New York. Bernie had to jump in to try and save Gavin Newsom. He's urging 
his supporters out in California to rescue him from a recall. Now you have prosecutors in Michigan investigating their possible nursing home scandal with Governor Shutdown Whitmer. So that's now happening. Wow, all the talk. I think Donald Trump will ever get credit. Building the hospitals in New York, manning the hospitals, converting them to COVID capability, sending the hospital ship 80% empty. Jen Psaki is saying, I don't think we need labels asked if there's a border crisis. Really? Because Joe said we, we don't have a crisis. Now, we don't need labels. She'll circle back, I'm sure, with that on us. Now, the Washington Times points out 25% of illegal immigrants dropped off in just one Texas town tested positive for coronavirus. How is that possible? But that's what they're saying. And the Border Patrol agents are bringing the migrants that they catch and release to this homeless shelter. The Food and Shelter Bank, and it's in Harlington, Texas, said cases are likely but not being detected because given the conditions, testing is almost useless. We can't quarantine them, he told commissioners, even if they test positive. They're going to leave the next. Well, where are they going? They're getting on a bus and an airplane and they're gone. And Joe's lecturing us about our mask wearing. Good grief. This is a mess. They're just lying to the public. DHS chief requests volunteers to help at the border after denying there was a crisis last week. What, what do they want? The Minutemen back? Good grief. What a mess. The record number of migrant children detained at the border has tripled in two weeks, even the New York Times reported. And these holding facilities are, quote, akin to jails. Of course, the cargo containers we can't get a look at. Bodies are also starting to turn up at the border. Great. 119,000 migrants have been apprehended since February 1st. Is not a crisis. That's a crisis. That's a big crisis. And Democrats schedule. By the way, part of this one point nine trillion dollar fiasco bill, health care, free health care for illegal immigrants. How about giving the money to our vets? How about, you know, if you broke it down and you get you could give every American over five grand instead of the waste, fraud and abuse that they'll be spending in twenty, twenty two, three, four and twenty twenty eight as they force their social liberalism right down our throat. Now, do you you understand why I'm telling you? You can't go away. The battle for liberty and freedom and capitalism, there's a lot on the line here. There's no time to disengage. All right, glad you're with us. Hour two. Thanks, Scott Shannon. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? I didn't say it on purpose, Mario Cuomo. I had a Biden. It's a Biden. If you mess up verbally... It wasn't on purpose, I promise you. Uh, Andrew Cuomo. Now we find out it's not really a presser, but it's just him on the phone. So he's going to be talking on the phone about COVID. And that means he's not going to address the nursing home scandal. We are monitoring. I'm not going to carry BS fluff. If there's anything worthwhile in this phone call, uh, we'll bring it to you. Uh, We'll get to some of your calls to this hour. 800-941-SEAN. A lot of you have been very patient. We'll get to you. You know, it's fascinating stuff that we haven't really gotten to. Look, I never really paid a lot of attention to, nor did I care about the Never Trumper movement. You know, from the very beginning, and there are prominent people 
that have done complete 180s on Donald Trump after saying the most vicious and vile and unbelievably outrageous things. Then all of a sudden they began to realize that it was impacting their careers. And so they changed. And I don't know how they do it, but they seem to be able to scrub their past comments from all sorts of social media. People that were attacking me by name on a regular basis. I don't really have that much respect for them because I don't really think, I don't see the principles guiding them. I see career ambition blinding blinding them. Listen, I am who I am. I've been doing radio for 33 years. And my first, my journey started in 1987 in radio. And I lived the the Howard Stern private parts life, except doing a different kind of radio, obviously, than him. And traveled around, lived in five different states. And, you know, I really haven't changed my political philosophy, maybe becoming a little bit more libertarian over the years. Admitting I'm wrong times when I'm when I'm wrong. I don't have any problem doing that. And and just trying to do better shows every day. And this whole issue of wokeness is real, and I mean it is real, for shutting down dissenting voices. And it's something that anybody that's a conservative has known for decades. Conservatives can't speak on college campuses. I mean, you go back, Bill Bennett dealt with this how many, however many years ago. I mean, Ann Coulter's willing to go into any college arena and debate anybody, and they don't want to let her talk. Uh, the same thing happened to, what was the name of the the guy that worked for Breitbart? The same thing happened to him. I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how it's like their inability to even hear a different point of view. Um, Senator Tim Scott apparently was on with Trey Gowdy hosting the 7 o'clock on Fox last night, and he actually responded to something that was said on MSDNC claiming the senator was essentially a prop that was used by the GOP uh, to show diversity. And, 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 you know, it's so insulting, so rude. This same person, by the way, attacked our friend James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. I've known, I've, I've known James Golden over 25 years. The nicest, one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet in your life. You haven't lived unless you've been behind the scenes at the Rush Limbaugh show. When God bless his soul, we miss him already a lot. And you'd watch him do the call screening. He, he, there was a show happening inside the control room with James Golden and the callers. And he, it's kind of was him and Linda exactly alike. It was no holds barred. It had no restrictions. There were no seven words that weren't allowed to be used in those conversations. <laughs> I mean, it, Linda, you've sat through those moments. It's pretty I amazing. Have. That's actually I mean, how me and James met. <laughs> I was. Well, <laughs> That's where you connected. Listen, you connected? no, listen. This is a true story. You know what? Your your total boop beep 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 beep. No, seriously. Click. I'm down the hall. So we had just moved to uh, Midtown from our other studio, the ex-wife, right. and uh, I'm in my office. I have the door open. Yada yada. And by the way, Russia's Russia's New York studio was in in his headquarters, and Mike Mamone were in New York. Right, we're all together. So right, I'm down the hall, and I just hear this screaming. I mean, this guy's <laughs> this guy's he means it. I'm like, okay. So I go down the hall, and I'm like, I don't know who's on the other end of this phone, but I'm so glad it's not me. So he puts the phone down. I go, how you doing? 
He's like, I'm good. I'm like, okay then. <laughs> I was like, so I'm Linda. He goes, you're Linda? I said, yeah. I was like, I just want you to know that I pass on the torch to you because clearly it was never given to me. I don't know what just happened there or who that person hurt that you know. And he just busted out laughing. He that's goes, that's funny. how you had to talk to people. I'm like, oh yeah? Okay. I'm like, I'm going to take you on the subway with no, me. It, I mean, it was, it was, he's hysterical. It was a whole other show going on. For sure. And he's and, louder than all get out. Don't forget that. Oh my that. gosh. He's got a very strong... Well, he's he did his own radio show for years. and loud. <laughs> oh my God. Remember the, the, the James and Joel show? Santista band? Remember that? Special that was moments. a fun show. Special. Uh, Joel's a nice guy. I like him. They're all good. Uh, anyway, so so he first James Golden was insulted. Now that now over at MSDNC that the senators used by a prop by the GOP to show diversity. This is damn insulting. And and it's just nobody at NBC News finds any of this inappropriate. And again, I'm I'm not going to be part of a call for firing, deplatforming, shutdown, boycott. Scott fired back, woke supremacy is as bad as white supremacy, and we need to take it seriously, he said to Trey Gowdy, when she calls a United States senator who's a subject matter expert, a prop, a token, a superficial covering, that's personal, and that's wrong, and she should be held to account. NBC is allowing this to happen because it's, it's happened now. Twice in a month, less than a month. Pretty sad. I mean, meanwhile, one conservative, one little thing out of out of the norm. Forget it. By the way, 91 percent of L.A. teachers union members voted against returning to the classroom. They don't want to go back to work. They don't care. Cleveland teachers unions refusing to return to in-person learning. Has anyone not told the teachers that we got a vaccine? Anyone? And by the way, my number still has not been called. Now, I will share one thing. I do have one minor blood pressure issue. And my doctor said, based on the rules, you would qualify. I said, no way. I'm waiting for my age group. That's it. I'm not going early. I'm not put. I'm not going to be charged with. He jumped the line. My doctor said, you're not jumping the line. You, you fall within the category that you can get the shot. I said, I'll wait. <laughs> He just shook his head. He says, I just, I can't deal with you, Hannity. And, uh, but I'm trying to do the right thing. I think the teachers should get priority over me. The elderly should get it. People with underlying conditions, people with comorbidities, you know, anyone that works in the healthcare industry, they deserve it before me. Anybody that's in an area of high concentration where of COVID breakouts, they should be inoculated. We should, we should go into those neighborhoods and help people now while we can. And then when, when everyone else is done, I'll go. I don't mind waiting. I'm fine with that. Just that for, to me, it's just the right thing to do. And I do, by the way, I'm fall under the category being a, a member of the press is quote essential. I would even argue that we're essential. Well, that's my own thing. But anyway, Arizona Department of Education had to launch a probe into why they labeled babies potential racist. Did you see that story? I mean, you got all these crazy stories out there. A New York City mom angry because she caught a teacher playing rap videos during Zoom economic class. In other words, you these kids need to get their education, reading, writing, math. We start with the basics. You know, they have a New York Democrat pushing for sex ed that would 
teach 11-year-olds about pansexuality and, quote, anal sex. I saw that story, too. Oh, my gosh. This is what we're dealing with. How about reading, writing, math? Let's stick with that. If you can't get history right, let the parents teach history. Oh, okay. Now they're talking. Uh, let's go to the Cuomo presser on phone. Actual allegation. Uh, that's the smart way. We have an allegation. Uh, let's find out what the facts were. You can allege something. Might be true, might be not true. Uh, you may have misperceived. There may be other facts. So let's get the facts. And that's what the investigation does. And that's what the attorney general is doing. And that's what we should all respect. By the way, he just said other next facts. Next question, operator. Your next question comes to the line of Dan Clark from PBS. Your line's now open. Hey, Governor. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, Dan. Hey, Governor. Uh, just wondering, you know, with all these allegations going, I know that it's obviously a year off, but are you reconsidering a run for a fourth term? I know that you had previously committed to doing that, but I know a lot of People in political circles are wondering whether you're going to go ahead with that fourth term or whether you're going to step aside. Uh, Dan, uh, first, today is not a day for politics, right? I'm focusing on my job. My job is vaccines, getting a budget done, rebuilding New York. All right, second day. We see where this is going. By the way, California lawmakers want to ban retailers from displaying a boy and girl section in, in part of this gender neutrality. I see that Governor Christie Nome has uh, weighed in on, on that issue, which is a pretty, I thought it was pretty interesting what she did in South Dakota. Um, and let me find that piece that I had here, because it was pretty interesting. Anyway, she, she basically said, well, to protect women in sports, she made it in her state possible to do so um, by saying that, okay, if you're biologically male, you can't play in women's sports. She said to protect women in sports. Um, we have, uh, now, I remember watching Pepe Le Pew. Remember that, Pepe Le Pew? Apparently now he's the latest cartoon character to be targeted for, I guess, a cancellation, cancel culture. And the New York, New York Times far-left columnist thinks the cartoon skunk Pepe Le Pew, it's a skunk, normalized, quote, rape culture. If I remember, oh, my soul, let me take you to the Casbah. Remember that as a kid? That's kind of what he would do. Uh, they also dislike Speedy Gonzalez. Comedians hit back in a big way. I see that Larry the Cable Guy said enough is enough. You know what? I, you know what? My favorite comedian right now, Linda. I bet you can guess who's my favorite comedian now. At Brian this moment, Regan. who? Okay, Sebastian Maniscalco. No, my favorite is Chris Rock. Oh no! I don't know why God, Chris no. Rock is my favorite. Because Chris Rock why? can say anything he wants, and he's funny. He is funny. Comedians are supposed to be funny. Now, I love Larry the Cable Guy. I love Jeff Foxworthy. I, I've always loved Richard Pryor. Um, you know, I, I like outrageous comedy. If you're going to go to a comedy show, know it's comedy. We, we totally have lost our sense of humor in life. I'll tell you, though, this guy, Brian Regan, I never heard of him before, but he doesn't curse. He doesn't mm-hmm. defame anybody. It's literally like the Seinfeld of stand-up comedy. It's just really? watching everyday life. He's hilarious. 
Send me a link. I want to take I a will. look at it. It's awesome. The Lincoln Project guys wanted to limit the number of people so they can make billions, apparently. Uh, George Conway said he called for the Lincoln Project to be shut down based on the fact that, yeah, they revealed $27 million had been paid to, oh, firms of the people of the Lincoln Project, became a big money-making guy. Here's what Larry the Cable Guy said. He said, the controversial French skunk, LOL, these cancel morons literally have mental issues, he says, problems. Push back, folks. Seriously, we're neck deep in commie stupidity. Just say no to thugs. Controversial French skunk cartoon. You know, is that really the things? You know, we, we still have a, a pandemic going on. We have millions of Americans out of work. You know, that's why I have no interest in the royals or any of this nonsense. It is just, this is dangerous for the country. Just warning everybody. In 2018, within about three hours, allegations against Eric Schneiderman came out. You called for his resignation. He resigned. Why doesn't that same expectation apply to you? There's obviously uh, allegations and then there are allegations, right? Uh, And... There's a a spectrum of allegations. Oh, (laughs) different rules for everybody else, just like Kavanaugh. By the way, Linda, I do know Brian Riggin, the the guy that uh, you talked about, the committee. He is funny. I've watched him. He's hilarious. And the thing is, I love Larry the Cable Guy, too. I mean, and by the way, I even like our buddy Norton. Remember Jim Norton? He's funny. I mean, he's, he's definitely blue. You you don't go there unless you're really willing to hear it all. Yeah, you have to. I mean, to. he unloads. He could be crazy funny it's, at times. Um, oh, by the way, things just got worse. Apparently, Cuomo uh, ordered facilities housing developmentally, uh, developmentally disabled to admit COVID patients and never rescinded the policy. Wow. That just broke... Uh, Uh, on the internet just a little while ago. It gets worse for him. All right, your call's coming up next. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. You know, it's a fascinating, from my standpoint, it's kind of a fascinating position that we've been in. For the entire campaign, what did I say about Joe Biden? He is weak. He is frail. He is struggling cognitively. And, you know, it's kind of funny, this new book out, Lucky. By the way, it's not complimentary towards Trump either. You know, you got an NBC reporter and and another mainstream media, uh, you know, reporter. I actually interviewed them. They were pretty nice. But they basically said Lucky, how Biden barely, quote, won the White House. Okay, and in this, they suggest, yeah, the Biden campaign said, yeah, keep the, the they, they ran with a strategy of keep your crazy uncle, your biggest liability, Joe, locked up in the basement. Well, that's what we were saying. The basement bunker where he hit out and he has a, a somewhat, well, believable excuse. Uh, he's being responsible in light of covid. And whenever he step out, he'd step in it. Or if he didn't even step out, he'd step in it anyway. You know, with his basement bunker, you know, videos. Do I talk now? Take off the glasses here? Or, you know, I mean, just crazy moments. You know, I go through the old hits of Biden, and I, I, I just, you know, all these people now. Then he, he's then he's president, and initially, the mob and the media they just start attacking me. Hannity said he's weak, 
and he's frail and he's struggling cognitively. And I'm like, I, I even said to Linda at one point, I said, have they not been watching and listening? Cause I've said that the whole campaign and we actually have done the hard work, which isn't really hard at all. And we've gone back and we played Biden from 2012 and Biden from 2016 and Biden today. You can even hear it on on the audio. He sent me two letters saying, by the way, can you send me some stimulus money for companies here in the state of Wisconsin? We sent millions of dollars. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, The phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Now they got a new plan. Trust me, it's not going to cost you any more. Folks, follow your instincts on this one. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. They put one foot in front of the other. They keep going. That's the unbreakable spirit of the people of America. That's who we are. And representatives uh Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, uh, excuse me, Pinell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. That's Biden today. He stepped out yesterday and he stepped in at it again. Now, he just made the appointment. His defense secretary, not a hard name to remember, not a hard name to pronounce. His name is Lloyd Austin. Pretty easy name to remember. Just like oh, I got this card in my pocket here. Um, um, yeah, uh, uh, 500. Oh, yeah, half a million and gives the number of COVID deaths. The day before he had a vigil. All I had to say was over 500,000. Wasn't hard to remember. I'm like, what else is on the card? My name is Joe. My wife's name is Jill. Uh, if I get lost, I live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and you think I'm making fun. I'm not making fun. I'm, I'm worried. This is now extremely concerning to the country. The foreign press is now paying attention to what's going on here and raising the questions that the mob and the media that protected him like big tech protected him. I called it the candidate protection program. And let him hide in the basement and never ask him a tough question. You know, why did he always take off six days before an event of any kind that was anything of substance or or that mattered during the campaign? They got they had to get him over a few hurdles here. They had to get him over the hurdle of showing up and giving a a speech at the Democratic National Convention, which was virtual. So that benefited him. They had to get him over the the hurdle of debating Trump twice. Trump wasn't as aggressive in the first debate. He would have done better, in my humble opinion. That's why you shouldn't have early voting, because he slaughtered him in the second debate. But this is Joe Biden just yesterday. He can't remember the name of his own defense secretary, nor does he remember that the defense secretary actually works in a building that has a name, too. It's called the Pentagon. Listen, I just want to thank you both. And I want to thank the the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general. But my my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we just talked about. OK, 
this is a problem. We now officially have a crisis, in my opinion. Not a medical diagnosis. I'm not a doctor. I don't play doctor on TV or radio. No, I don't. But he's weak and frail, and he's struggling cognitively. I have in my mind, I'm not ready to say it yet, and some of you are going to say, Hannity, say it, speak your mind. I'm just not there yet. But I think I know what's going to happen here. I think I've figured out how they, because they, for example, if everybody around him knew that he was struggling cognitively during the campaign, which is why they kept him in the basement bunker and they didn't tell the American people the truth the whole time, that in and of itself would be quite a controversy. Because there was a lot of evidence he was struggling during the campaign. Anyway, stay tuned. Let's get to our phones. Let's start in the great state where I should be right now, Florida. Chet, Chet, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for checking in. Thanks for taking the call, Sean. Thank you. Uh, What's going on? Talking about crisis, uh, I'm a non-vet. And with what's going on at the border right now, they say that there's not a crisis, but everybody knows that there is. But it's and it's pushing another crisis. We have probably tens of thousands of homeless vets who are being pushed to the side by this administration. Uh, Trump did what he could for us, and we're appreciative of that. But all these uh, illegals are coming in with COVID, which is creating another crisis. They're being given vouchers to go someplace, which means they're probably going to have a place to live when our vets are homeless. We have a crisis in the fact that vets are committing suicide in record numbers every day. And this is probably going to create more of a crisis when they see that these people coming in with the blessing of the administration and being given things that we're not. I, I hope to I pray that more of them don't punch their own ticket because of being left behind. Oh, God, I pray you're right. I mean, nobody wants that. You know, if you actually broke it down, it's between five and $6,000, the $1.9 trillion we could give every American. If you just distributed the money without the waste, fraud and abuse that. But but of course, they they put it all towards big blue state bailouts for fiscally irresponsible governors and state legislatures. And then responsible states end up footing the bill. It's it's unbelievable to me. Um, Yeah, I see that. Let's see. Even even uh, felons in jail will be getting, you know, fourteen hundred dollar checks. Uh, illegal immigrants will be getting it. Uh, part of this bill pays for foreign health care. Part of it pays for illegal immigrant health care. And could that money be better spent helping vets? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Positively, it could be. We've gone from America first policies now to America last policies. That's that's what I tried to warn the world would happen. And believe me, us vets, we're listening to you in record numbers, Sean, and we appreciate what you try to do well, for us. Is, I know there might be a tendency. You just want to tune this out and say, oh, the hell with it. You know, there's no hope. There is hope. We got an election in a year and a half. We better win it. Chet, first of all, I want to thank you for your service, your call, and really a reminder. You know, we do have our friends at buildinghomesforheroes.org, and they're a great organization helping the most, you know, the the vets with the worst injuries and yeah, they help vets with PTSD and yes, some that have suicide uh, thoughts as a result of the trauma that they lived through being overdeployed. They were overdeployed. 
Many of them. Anyway, thank you. Um, all right. The United Socialist Utopia known as California. Uh, we have Alan standing by. Alan, thanks for checking in. How are you, sir? Hey, Sean. I just wanted to call and give you a report about the increasing price of gasoline here in Southern California. It is now past $4 a gallon. I just wow. drove by a Chevron station, four thirty a gallon for unleaded. And I remember when President Trump was in office here in California, in Southern California, it got down to about two fifty a gallon. You know, it's stuff like this. Now, you, you pay a 13.5% state income tax in your, your socialist utopia out there, comrade. And <laughs> it just, you know... I just remember it's like etched into my brain. I can't get rid of it. My family thinks I'm nuts sometimes. I I still think like I did when I when I was I, frankly the word which is accurate would be I didn't have any money. And I struggled to pay my rent and I I that mindset never leaves me. And yeah, I can afford 450 a gallon if I have to. I don't it just pisses me off. You know why? Because it's not necessary. This is impacting real, hardworking Americans. And it's all because of this environmental extremism. Now we're going to make Putin rich, countries in the Middle East rich again, and the Iranian mullahs in China rich again with these stupid policies when we had achieved energy independence for the first time in 75 years. You're going to pay more at the pump. You're going to pay more to heat your home. And when it gets hot, more to cool your home. It pisses me off. It's money wasted. And to make matters worse, all these guys that have specific skill sets for the energy sector that have devoted decades of their life building up these skill sets, they're now getting pink slips. That means, guess what? They may have to sell their home, move, you know, tap into whatever retirement they had planned on, uh, college funds. Those are all out the window. You know, and now they, they lost their careers. Well, we want you to get other high-paying career jobs. What, with 17 million other Americans out of work during a pandemic? And now you're going to legalize 15 million more people all competing for limited jobs because of draconian shutdowns? That's, where, that's what they've done here. This is well, Live Free Trump or Die was the name do. of my book. America and the World on the Brink. This is the brink part. Chapter 4, Socialism, Its History of Failure. Energy is the lifeblood of the world's economy. And now we had cheap energy, which helps Americans in a multitude of ways at the pump, heating homes, cooling homes, creating jobs. And more importantly, for national security, we're not dependent on on uh, these countries that hate us. Gosh, this makes me mad. It really does. You got me mad, Alan. Sorry. Sorry, Sean. But President Trump predicted this. He did. He predicted it all. A lot of good. The uh, border wall construction. Now they go to the, the go to the areas that weren't finished. 450 miles wasn't enough yet. All right, let's get back to our busy uh, telephones. All right. The other United Socialist state of uh, the U.S. That would be New York and Rich is in Long Island, New York. What's up, sir? Glad you called. And thanks for being with us. Thank you, free man. I do feel like I'm in chains. Uh, I'm calling because I want to talk about something that Jen Psaki and the rest of the children that are running the federal government don't want to talk about. And I'm not being redundant by saying this. 
but it's the only reason I want to talk about it is because they won't talk about it. Can I proceed? Yes, sir. Talk. They are talking about test strips. That's science. They're not talking about a vaccination plan for the illegal refugees at the southern border and the people that they're releasing into the country. She needs to be asked, and it doesn't matter what she says. It doesn't matter her answer. It's the wrong answer. She needs to be asked what the vaccination plan is for the people invading the southern border. Thank you, sir. All right, I appreciate it. Now, I mentioned earlier in the program, I mean, we have a report out today that, in fact, as many as 25 people, latest tests on illegal immigrants, this was in the Washington Times, I'll cite my source, shows that 25% now of people coming in, crossing the borders illegally, are testing positive for COVID. Well, but Joe Biden, by the way, he walked away again today from the podium uh, they, they, they literally shut him down again from taking any questions. They don't want him to take any questions. Unbelievable. I'd still like to see the, the cargo shipping containers with the beautiful butterflies on the inside with bars on the window for the kids that are separated from their parents for months. Quick break. Right back. Uh, news Roundup information overload coming up. Coming up next, our final News Roundup and information overload hour. Hi, News Roundup, Information Overload, our Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Look, as I said to you yesterday, I'm not like the biggest royals, the royals, the royals, the royals. I know a lot of people in America are fascinated with it. I mean, you got 17 million people that actually watch this thing in the United States alone, maybe 18 million. I don't know how many people online were watching. It could be much more. I don't, I don't know the final numbers here. And the passion, though, and you know what? I could appreciate different countries, different priorities, different systems. They like their institution. They love the monarchy. Most people, they love to complain about the monarchy in, in Great Britain on a, on a fairly regular basis. My only observation is if Prince Harry and Meghan Markle want privacy, I'm not exactly sure why they're going on and doing a two-hour as Piers Morgan called it a whinathon. Ouch! With Oprah Winfrey, if you want privacy and you're concerned about security, don't go on Oprah's show because you're not going to achieve those two goals there. Now, I lived in Santa Barbara, and there's some very elite, expensive property, a neighborhood known as Montecito, uh, which is you know you're dealing with fifteen million dollar homes in the area and much higher. And apparently, they live down the block from Oprah Winfrey. I guess they bought a house there. So we're talking about millionaire problems here. Now, what is claimed is horrible, if true. It would be, is it possible? Sure, it's possible. There are horrible, racist, bigoted people on this earth. I don't believe the majority of people are, but there are those people. And it's very possible. I guess the royals, they wouldn't mention name names, which if you're going to say it, say it. If you're going to complain about it, name names so people know. Uh, But anyway, so there's been Piers Morgan went absolutely nuts um it was, well and not really nuts i mean it's just very passionate about how selfish this was and how wrong he felt it was and let me play some of a, a little bit of an argument that he had on his morning show which does very well in great britain and from yesterday and today it just hasn't stopped and then he eventually stormed off the set um, after people took issue with his comments about Meghan Markle. Listen. 
The royal family as an institution is rooted in colonialism, white supremacy, and racism. The legacy is right there. So you are now surprised that a comment would have been made by several members of the royal family about how dark Archie is. It's not several members, actually. No, no, you can't spew lies. Are we allowed to engage in any of this? Let me finish. Well, you're not stopping. That Harry and Meghan had the audacity to speak that truth, then you should be at the actual outrage of racism. Right, okay. Am I allowed to respond to this? Am I allowed to respond yet? You can respond now. Okay. I think what you've just said about the Queen is disgusting. I think it's unbelievable. You are are you talking you about? Are you talk about the behaviour of a nation. Am I lying when I said that? Allow me to say what I'm. Allow me to explain. And the institution is protected. Right. Allow me to. Allow me to defend our royal family. Thank you. And I understand that you don't like Meghan Markle. You've made it so clear a number of times on this programme, a number of times. And I understand that you've got a personal relationship with Meghan Markle or had one, and she cut you off. She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. OK, I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. No, oh, sorry. Do you know what? That's pathetic. You can trash me, maybe, not my No, 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 no. See you later. I'm being... Sorry, can't this do this. This is absolutely diabolical behaviour. You, he, I'm sorry, but Pierce spouts off on a regular basis and we all have to sit there and listen. 6.30 to 7 o'clock yesterday was incredibly hard to watch. Wow, passion's running high. And then Pierce walked off the set. Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Hill, Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist, had some pretty hard-hitting comments about this as well. Um, Miranda, let me start with you. Now, if that is true, the allegation that they were members of the royal family. Now, specifically, Harry did say that it wasn't the queen and it wasn't the print, uh, her husband, who is in the hospital, apparently, uh, didn't make the comments or or suggest what the the skin tone color would be, which would be just flagrantly outright despicable, disgusting and racist. Um, but they didn't name names. Um, so we'll put that off to the side here. Your general thoughts about how passionate you hear people in Great Britain about this and your thoughts on the interview. Hi, Sean. Look, I think it's just reprehensible what Meghan and Harry did, leaving that race charge up in the air, not saying who it was, and then sort of ruling out people after the fact, and then still leaving a cloud hanging over Harry's own father, Prince Charles, uh, his brother, Prince William, and their wives. Um, you know, it, it's really a very damaging thing to do, and it was obviously calculated. That was the central allegation in Meghan's interview with Oprah and the one that Oprah really played up as a big deal. It was explosive. And, you know, today... Well, if it's true, Miranda, you would agree with me, it, it would be explosive. If there are people that... Oh, of course you know, have those ignorant views in the royal family, I think it would greatly shift public opinion about whoever it is. Yeah, but Sean, they didn't give any specifics. They gave no specifics. They said, Megan made out that this comment was made specifically about Archie when she was pregnant with him. And she also made out that it was the reason that Archie did not get a title, the title of prince, was because of the potential colour of his skin. And in fact, when Harry was allowed to come into the interview halfway through the two hours, 
he told a quite different story. What he led us to believe was that, in fact, that comment was made at the very beginning of their relationship. It was made as a hypothetical and a sort of a question of curiosity. So while it's not a great comment, it's certainly a lot less grave than the way that Megan made it out. And I think that's the way she rolls. Everything is drama, exaggeration, uh, pretense, fakery, and just seeing the worst in people, casting herself as a victim, it's quite pathological and there's a lot of falsehood in it, a lot of falsehood. I mean, for one thing, that charge that uh, Archie didn't get a title because he had the colour of his skin, because he was mixed race, is a total lie. There's a 100-year-old palace protocol that only the grandchildren of the direct in line to the throne get a title. And what that means is that when Prince Charles becomes king, Archie will become a prince, except probably now Meghan has blotted his prospects. Oh, um, for people that want privacy and security, I don't think going on Oprah is the place to achieve that goal, uh, Joe Concha. Yeah, Sean, nothing says victimhood quite like the royal couple speaking with a billionaire interviewer about how hard they've got it, with the background looking like the Garden of Eden that, that Oprah has. Oh, sent man, up. you guys are both cold. You, you, you guys are cracking me up. Go ahead. Hey, man, it's optics, right? The, oh, my goodness, we're millionaires. Let's talk to the billionaire Oprah about, oh, how we're victims. And you're right, for a couple of them want to be in the public eye, they sure do live in the public eye, don't they? Like, like Meghan Markle, she's everything I hope my daughter. She's only seven, all right? So I got time to kind of shape her like Play-Doh, all right? You groom her the right way. I hope that she never becomes a chronic complainer. So it was good to see President Biden at least praise uh, the Duchess of Sussex uh, for her courage coming forward. Of course, Biden didn't say it himself. That was his press secretary because Biden doesn't speak to the press. But uh, look, Prince Harry said that the royal family, all right, quote, literally cut me off financially. Hey, Harry, you're 36. All right, I'm pretty sure my parents cut me off by then. He's already worked $10 million. He's worried about being cut off. So, like, he asked about the uh, numbers for this uh, interview, by the way, Sean. Uh, CBS, 17.1 million people. Just to put that in context, the Golden Globes that was on the week before got one-third the audience. So people are still interested in the stuff, and we're talking about it. So, hey, we're hypocrites, right? <laughs> I don't think we're hypocrites. I mean, I, it, it is a phenomenon. I mean, it is a cultural phenomenon. The Queen did respond, and she said, the whole family saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. And while some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan and Archie will always be much loved family members, which I thought was the high road and probably the the right thing to say at the moment. Um, I I don't I mean, at some point here, I would assume the pressure is going to mount to identify who this person was that made a comment as to the skin tone of their son. Yeah, look, I think that the palace has behaved in a very classy way. That was a beautiful response, very short, sharp, and compassionate, Uh, considering uh, that Meghan and Harry have just thrown the entire family under the bus and done real damage to the monarchy's uh, reputation, especially in America. Um, I think that was a really measured and kind reply, talking about their love, 
still as a family for Megan and Harry and Archie and their unborn daughter. Uh, and also uh, raising and uh, not running away from or ignoring those race allegations, saying that they are concerned that they're troubling allegations and that the royal family will be looking into them themselves. Although, and this is a very important caveat, they said recollections do vary. And I think that's at the nub of it. You know, it's a real... Uh, he said, she said, and considering the rest of the way uh, during that interview that Megan has misrepresented other people, misrepresented facts, um, you know, you, you wouldn't believe anything that she says. And uh, I think that the royal family is probably uh, going to discover that maybe a, an off-colour remark might have been made at the very beginning of their relationship, which I'm sure uh, is regrettable, but it doesn't... Uh, say that the royal family is beset by institutional racism or that Megan was chased out by racism or that her children were discriminated against, which is a really disgusting, despicable charge. And uh, lastly, I think it was interesting, I think you could hear the Queen's voice in this, just expressing regret that uh, she and the family weren't fully aware of the extent of Megan and Harry's distress. And you can read that two ways that perhaps that far from Meghan and Harry actually making their complaint known, they, uh, they kept them to themselves. And my particular um, theory, um, based on nothing much except a knowledge of human nature, is that Meghan really wanted to leave London and go back to L.A. with a prince on her arm so that she could hobnob with her new celebrity friends uh, like George and Amal Clooney and Oprah and Tyler Perry. Um, she, that's the world that she was desperate to break into when she was a B-grade actress on a, on a cable series that got discontinued. So now she's made it. She wants to show off her newfound status, and she can't do that in Buckingham Palace under the strictures of the monarchy. If she really was struggling, and it sounded very serious, the issue of suicide and her thoughts on suicide... I, I just don't think it's healthy for anybody. At that point, I think retreating away from the public eye would be a much better strategy to really make sure you you get well. Um, I'm not sure that somebody that was in that such a, a high level of distress as she described, and it, I, I take those things seriously, uh, I just don't see this helping anybody that might have issues underlying what brought her to that that space not that long ago but we'll take a break we'll come back more with miranda divine joe concha and your calls coming up 800-941-SHAWN is our number if you want to be a part of the program your calls final half hour of the program today continue joe concha miranda divine with us i'd be negligent if i didn't ask both of you in the minute and a half we have left about the ongoing scandal with uh, uh the esteemed governor of new york andrew cuomo joe concha does he survive he survives, I think, Sean, but it depends how you define survival. He probably won't run for re-election because even now a majority of New York... Well, now they're moving towards the impeachment, and now you have the Democratic leader in the Senate, the most powerful Democrat besides him, and the Democratic leader in the Assembly both saying he's got to go. Correct. 
They need 76 out of 150 votes, obviously, a simple majority, to impeach. But I think it's only around 50 right now in terms of the numbers. So the numbers are still on his side. 55% of New Yorkers don't want him to resign, but they don't want him to run for re-election either. So I think he's going to pull a Ralph Northam and just kind of keep his head down and try to just survive this. But he is adamant about not resigning, despite the fact he has multiple scandals here. And everybody talks about the sexual harassment, Sean, and that is a big deal. But the nursing home scandal, 15,000 dead, and the cover-up that went along with it should be the bigger story, and that ultimately will be to decide whether he is impeached or not based on the results of that investigation by Attorney General Tish James. Miranda, 20 seconds. We're almost out of time. I couldn't agree more with Joe. This um, nursing home scandal, and we also find out that the disabled were treated just as poorly. That is the real, that is the important and deadly question. That is the scandal that really he should be answering for. And unfortunately, he's getting away with it because these sexual harassment allegations are much more titillating and they're consuming media attention. But, you know, the New York Post, Michael Goodwin, broke that story about the nursing homes back last April. And I just ask why it has taken so long for anyone to pay any attention to it. And now they're burying it. And Dr. Cuomo is not going to resign. He thinks that it's part of his macho leadership credentials to tough it out. Thank you both. Joe Concha, Miranda Devine. When we come back, your calls 800-941-SEAN as we continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. You know, we played this yesterday. One year ago yesterday, this is the ever-esteemed Anthony Fauci saying, we don't need to wear masks. Maybe it'll stop a droplet. It ain't going to help. Listen. Now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Uh, right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. Oh, (laughs) maybe you can wear the stupid thing. It's not going to help. It might stop a droplet. Uh a year ago today, Fauci said, sure, go on a cruise. Listen. A lot of people are planning cruises over the spring break. Would you recommend yeah. that anybody, even a healthy person, yeah. get on board a yeah. cruise? Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're a healthy young person, that there is no reason. If you want to go on a cruise ship, to go on a cruise ship. Personally, I would never go on a cruise ship because I don't like cruises. But <laughs> that's another story. Uh, <laughs> But the fact the fact is that if if you have if you have the conditions that I've been speaking about over and over again to this group, namely an individual who has an underlying condition, particularly an elderly person that has underlying condition, I would recommend strongly that they do not go on a cruise ship. Okay, but you can go otherwise. About a year ago, here's the ever so loved by the mob and the media, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York. What was he saying a year ago at this time about about uh, COVID and New New York is the best healthcare system in the world? Listen, we have the best healthcare system in the world here, uh, and uh, excuse uh, our arrogance as New Yorkers. I speak for the mayor also on this one. We think we have the best healthcare system on the planet right here in New York. 
So uh, when you're saying what happened in other countries versus what happened here, uh, we don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. Uh, we are fully coordinated. We are fully mobilized. This is all about mobilization of a public health system. And then they stopped, if you remember, it was towards the end of the month when this executive order was put in place by Cuomo, forcing sick patients back into nursing homes. Now, about uh, not long after this, when is pretty much when sugar started hitting the fan and it started getting awful. And in came Donald Trump. Now, did he do PowerPoint presentations as, as good as Andrew Cuomo? Apparently not. He never got an Emmy or wrote a book on leadership. But he built the biggest hospital in the country pretty much on a moment's notice and then converted it to COVID patient capability by changing the ventilation system. He manned that very big hospital at the Javits Center. He also built other hospitals around the state. He brought in the the Navy hospital ship and converted that for COVID capability. 80% of the beds on the hospital ship and 80% of the beds at the Javits Center remained empty. He manned them, he built them, he provided all the masks, all the gloves, all the gowns, all the shields, all the medicines. Remember, Cuomo at that time, too, even though now we have, what, six, seven separate uh, studies that show, yeah, taken early, 84% effective in helping people with COVID, hydroxychloroquine. Let's start with the Henry Ford study, and let's move on from there. And the two studies that the mob and the media cited from medical journals, yeah, those journals rescinded those articles saying it was dangerous. Dr. Daniel Wallace in April of last year, the risk of taking this dose of hydroxychloroquine is nil. After prescribing it as the foremost leader in, in hydroxychloroquine. And that would include... The biggest rheumatoid arthritis lupus practice in the country that he's been running for 42 years. 250 peer-reviewed articles. Risk is nil. And look how that got politicized. Dr. Oz famously saying on this program again and again, yeah, when medicine and politics collide, politics always wins. Sad. Sad what happened here. Now, with all the talk about Biden lecture, he walked again. He walked away again today without wearing his mask again. Couldn't remember the name of his defense secretary. Couldn't remember that the defense secretary has an office in a building called the Pentagon. Then when they started asking him questions again, beep, bars and tone. Now we've got, according to uh, the Washington Times, 25 percent of immigrants dropped off at this one Texas town tested positive for coronavirus. Well, it's not hard to tell why. I mean, we've shown you the images in our investigative reporting this week and last week on TV. There's no social distancing and not a lot of mask wearing. But yet the Greyhound has said, look, we've had it. Either you get tested or you can't get on the bus because they're not even testing them anymore. I mean, that's 25%. Andy Biggs pointed this out. 120,000 Illegal immigrants pouring across our border now every single month, 25%. That's 30,000 positive COVID tests in a month. I, I mean, it's stunning to me. But they're going to lecture you, even if you get the vaccine, don't forget to wear your mask. Like, well, what's the point? 
get to our busy phones. 800-941-SEAN. Getting a lot of calls today from our comrades in New York and California. We have Diane in the United Socialist uh, Utopia of California. Diane, welcome, comrade. Thanks for joining us. Okay, Sean, it's not that bad of a state. I live on the beautiful central coast of California. So I love the central coast of California. I lived in Santa Barbara. For, well, I, I was the poorest Ventura person County. there for five years. Yeah, Ventura County, the beautiful agriculture part of the world. I, I'm not I, I, the beauty is is I can't even begin to describe it and give it justice. The highway 101 freeway, the 101 freeway up and down the 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 Pacific Coast Highway is amazingly beautiful. Great it drive. Truly, the taxes truly. you can keep thirteen and a half percent state income tax. You own that. Oh, no kidding, huh? We pay for the beauty. No, you're not paying for the beauty. You're paying for corrupt government. (laughs) (laughs) The beauty's for free. The the beauty comes from God. Well, you know, we we are recalling our governors, so we're almost there. Well, you have enough now. Apparently, you've reached the threshold. And it looks like... One point, you only needed 1.5 million signatures. You have well over 400,000 more than necessary. Now they'll do a check, so you do need extra. And then uh, I would assume that you're going to have a special election then at some point in the near future. I look forward to it. Yes, with signature verification. Yeah, by the way, and I don't trust that. Listen, people of California are stupid. They'll probably vote for Newsom again. Oh, no, we we want somebody special. He was in no. the Trump administration. Oh, yeah, we know who we're looking at. Who are you looking at? Well, let's see. His initials are R.G. Rick Rennell. Yeah. Awesome. I like Rick Rennell a lot. Oh, I think Rick Rennell would be fantastic. great. Yes. If Rick Rennell runs, I'll support him. Not, but unless he doesn't want me to. I always have to and have that caveat. Is it better for you <laughs> that I endorse you or just shut up and act like I don't know you? Well, I actually have had people say... So when Joe Lieberman lost the nomination and ran as an independent, I've always liked Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman is a very decent human being. He really is. I've gotten to know him. His wife is amazing. And he's always right on national security issues, wrong on everything else. But I, I like, but he's a pleasant human being. He's not, he's not like the swamp creatures of Washington. No. And he was, so he's, he's running as an independent. And I'm saying, you know what? I'd vote for Joe Lieberman. And he calls me and he goes, um, I don't know how to say this. I said, what? Every time you mention me, they're bludgeoning me with your, that, that I, you're a supporter of mine. Maybe just a little less endorsement would be helpful. So I shut up the rest of the campaign. Well, that's okay. We all have our favorites, right? Yeah, correct. So let's, let's just kind of talk about the border wall a little bit. Uh, what happened to our defense fund money that had been approved by Congress. Does, does that just go away? Is it in, in a bank account It was account money somewhere? that was appropriated. That was actually taken. Exactly. Well, the president had to thread the needle there, and he found a very creative way to get the money to build the wall, and there were other monies that were allocated. And the answer to the question is Joe Biden, through executive fiat, once again bypassed this other co-equal branch of government known as the legislature, and on his own just with the stroke of a pen, stop the building of the wall. And now, well, that's why we see this now mass we have influx. Big in our border wall. That's what it is. Each well, that, that's what we're watching. The southern border is paying the price for that. Anyway, 
Uh, hang in there, Diane. We're going to be watching closely what happens out there. Uh, let us say hi to Kelly is in Rochester, New York. What's up, Kelly? You know, upstate New York, I could solve the problems up there in, in, in 10 minutes if I was governor. With the stroke of a pen, open up fracking in upstate New York. And guess what? Upstate New York would get rich again. Uh, probably. Thanks for taking my call, Sean. You Thank know, you. I, I I wanted to bring this to everyone's attention. There's there's something going on with the Andrew Cuomo saga that I just think people are unaware of. Uh, uh-huh. Not a lot of people know that between the dates of April 17th through April 22nd, Cuomo and the New York State Health Department issued a DNR for New York. So, Sean, that's basically a don't resuscitate order for New York. That means if you called an ambulance for a suspected heart attack and no pulse, typically an ambulance crew does CPR for 20 minutes. But By the way, order, I, re- I recall discussing this at the time. Yeah, that is correct. This order banned them from doing this. It was a short period of time. It's hard to find this because Cuomo's team quickly scrubbed it from the New York site, the website. But unfortunately, on April 20th, during this small window of time of do not resuscitate, uh, they, they had to call the ambulance for my dad. He, he, they thought he had a heart attack. Um, when the ambulance crew came, they could only instruct how to do CPR to his wife. My dad died. Could he have lived longer? Uh, well, we'll never know because Cuomo was playing God, deciding who could be uh, resuscitated. How many? First more of all, people? I'm sorry about what happened with your dad. I really am. My Thank heart you. goes out to you. That's number Thank one. You. And number two, uh, I, I have a colleague at Fox, and for a year she's been outspoken to her credit. Um, and her name is Janice Dean, and she lost both her in-laws in this nursing home scandal. And I asked her last time I interviewed her, I said, are you thinking of a class action suit? And the answer is yes. If I was you, I'd find out who that lawyer is. If you want, we can try and find out for you. And I would absolutely be a part of it because I think that's a suit. If there is any justice that has a lot of merit and everybody should be, I I think it's a suit you would win. And I'm not a big sewer person. I'm not. I think I don't believe I think it's too much frivolous. Too many frivolous lawsuits out there. But this is not frivolous life and death. And, and what are the real numbers? How many people really died under his leadership while he's writing books and getting Emmys? They what had the real, the numbers? real numbers in. Remember, this was late March and they had the real numbers in June and they covered it up and they consciously covered it up. And it, they and they even stated why they covered it up. They covered it up. So to prevent the Justice Department from investigating what the hell they did here. I mean, that 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 is classic obstruction. That is, by definition, obstruction. More numbers anyway. um, were listed on do not resuscitate. And look, Sean, I respect these women for coming forward with their accusations of inappropriateness. But let's say focus. He should resign. He should be in jail because of his bad leadership. He killed people. My dad died. There is way more numbers. Um, of people that died than they're even reporting. Let's check out the do not resuscitate time frame. I got to tell you, I think he's going to be in deep trouble over time. That's my prediction. And I am sorry about your loss, Kelly. I, you know, I miss, um, I lost my dad 25 years ago this month. And there's not a day that goes by. I don't think about him. Not one day. 
All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Let not your hearts be troubled. Hannity tonight, please set your DVR, 9 Eastern on the Fox News channel. Uh, We've got all the news on Cuomo, all the news on COVID one year later. Uh, All the news on the problem at the border, full investigative reporting you won't get from the media mob. Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, Lindsey Graham, Dan Bongino, Tammy Bruce, Joe Concha, Miranda Devine. Set your DVR, 9 Eastern, Hannity, please join us. Uh, We'll see you tonight, back here tomorrow. You make this show possible. Thank you for being with us, as always. 